The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said to his disciples, I have come to set the earth on fire, and how I wish it were already blazing. There is a baptism with which I must be baptized. And how great is my anguish until it is accomplished. Do you think that I have come to establish peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, a household of five will be divided. Three against two, two against three. A father will be divided against his son, and a son against his father. A mother against her daughter, and a daughter against her mother. A mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. The Gospel of the Lord. If today were not the 20th Sunday in ordinary time, it would be the memorial of St. Maximilian Kolbe. Most of us here know his story because he's a rather modern saint and martyr. The conventional Franciscan, the particular devotion of the Blessed Mother, arrested, taken to Auschwitz, gave his life for a man who had a wife and family, was starved to death and eventually killed by a lethal injection. A heroic man. But there's more going on there than simply an antagonism between a holy priest and his Nazi captors. There's a battle going on between good and evil, God and the enemies of God, Christ and the Antichrist. It's always going on. We don't think of it in those terms, though do we? We usually think of me and my problems and my temptations and my sins, and that's not a bad thing, but there's more going on. It's been going on since the beginning, since the garden, since the fall. This antagonism, this battle, it's really a battle. We saw that again with our first parents, a battle between God and the serpent, and so on through history. We see it between nations, in communities, in families, and sometimes even within ourselves, we see the battle going on. It's not just a tension, it's a battle. We saw it with Jeremiah, poor Jeremiah. He'd done what he was supposed to do, and what happens? He's accused of betraying the people and is let down into a cistern and sinks into the mud after all his troubles because there was opposition to what he was doing, to the will of God, 
to his proclamation, to his confrontation of the people. There was opposition, and on and on through history, until we come finally to our Lord, who said something about peace from his, at his birth. Angels, glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth to people of goodwill that we sing every Sunday, except in Advent and Lent. He said it himself, blessed are the peacemakers, they will be called sons of God. And before communion, we have the words from the Last Supper, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Then he added, but not as the world gives peace. There should be peace. That's what he came to bring. He came to bring a radical sort of love, not just a love, small L, but capital L, unique to himself, to which we are all called. But then there's something more. This gospel. I have come to set fire on the earth. What does he mean? How I wish it were already blazing. You know what the fire is. There is a baptism which I, with which I must be baptized. And how great is my anguish until it is accomplished. The fire and the baptism are his suffering and death. That's what they are. That's his passion. Suffering and death. That's what he's come to do. And what will be the response to that? The same as it has always been. Our Lord knows that. Do you think that I have come to establish peace on the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. And it will happen. In the end, every human being has to make a decision relative to our Lord. And our whole life will be dependent upon that. Everything we do from then on. And it will happen. He's right. He said, be two against three, three against two. We see that in families. When someone really opts completely to accept Jesus Christ in his church, there will be division. You may have experienced it in your own life, in your own families. I have. And you cannot compromise that. You cannot say, oh, no, let's try to get over this. I had once had a young man come to see me. And he said, you know... The church is going to have to get rid of all these teachings and dogmas and settle on a few things that we can all agree on. And I said, we are not called to find things upon which we can agree. We are called to accept what God has revealed in its fullness. And the church cannot change any of those things because as soon as she does that, she immediately decreases and diminishes the love that we ought to have. Because all these things in some way are a response to love, even when we don't think of them in those terms. Everything the church teaches, all the commandments are a response to love. Mitigate them in the least degree, and love is diminished. And so there will be division in the world. Remember that strange poem, that one verse of it was, uh, But in despair I hung my head, there is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong, and uh, mars the wrong of peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Well, that may be true in some ways, but in the end, the victory is the Lord's. But we will have to endure that until the end of time. He did. From the very moment of his birth, there was hostility. Herod and his minions. And on through his life and through his public life, he was always being attacked. As soon as Jesus Christ is there, there will be an opposition. And if we accept him and accept his church, we will be part of that battle. And we are part of the battle, if we can have the courage to realize it. 
It keeps on going, though, until at the foot of the cross it's still there. He is on the cross. There is perfect love. There is the redemption of the world. And on the foot of the cross, the chief priests, the elders, the scribes, and the soldiers taunting him. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the Son of God. Let him come down from the cross, and we will believe in him. There is the tension. But not just there. On the cross, to his right and to his left, between the two hanging there with him, the one asks to be taken down in mockery, the other asks to be taken up. So there is the battle. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. The battle is there. And on through history until the end of time, even though he calls all of us to peace. But notice how that has happened throughout our world. The church from the beginning has been always in a battle. Sometimes the church has had to go to war. People will say, well, the Catholic Church has been responsible for wars. Well, at the time that it happened, the Catholic Church was the only form of Christianity around. Uh, and the church had to defend herself against the aggressors coming against her. She had to do that many times. Uh, and the Crusades, for instance, are talked about today. The Crusaders sometimes did things Crusaders shouldn't have done. They betrayed their oath. They sacked Constantinople. But basically, the Crusades were to preserve the reality of love, the reality of the church as she existed. And there have been times, of course, when she's been constantly attacked in our own century, in the last century. Remember that. that whenever a totalitarian regime comes into existence, the church becomes the enemy. Again, that tension that our Lord said he had come to bring, not because he wills it, but because we do. Think of it. Uh, the antagonism between the church and communism, as well as fascism, but particularly communism, particularly in Eastern Europe. And I, I just bought a book recently called The Diaries of the Chinese Martyrs. It's a history of the church in Mao's China. I'm looking forward to reading it. I've heard many stories about it, but when we think of what actually happened during those times in the opposition. Why? Because whatever else might have been there, the Catholic Church was the great enemy. She's the enemy, first of all, because she can't be controlled by a culture, because her authority lies elsewhere, and because the ultimate authority is outside of any country. Remember when Stalin so hated the Catholic Church that at one time one of his generals said, relative to something Stalin was going to do, what will the Pope say? And remember Stalin's response, how many legions does the Pope have? Well, eventually they learned how many legions he had. But in any event, what, why would they do that? Because they want to destroy the love and the perfection of the church as the body of Christ. And how do you do that? I've said this before. How is it always done? You want to, first of all, be rid of the, the Eucharist, which means you have to be rid of the clergy, be rid of the priests. There was a time when Albania bragged about having shot its last priest. It hadn't, but that's what they bragged about. Because no priesthood, no Eucharist, no Eucharist, no church, how wonderful that would be. But the church goes on in the midst of that antagonism until the end of time. And you and I are part of that. If we see ourselves as part of a great battle, it should give us courage. Because the battle has been won. That's what the cross was all about. There's division until the end of time. We must endure that. While we are trying to bring people together in peace, the division will remain. 
At times it will seem as though that poem was quite right. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill towards men. But in the end, the victory has been won. The question is, are we part of it or not? And in the end, too, all the battles come down to this. If the battle is against Christ and his church, the battle is particularly against what we do here. As I said, every regime that hates the church particularly wants to, in some way, keep the Mass from being celebrated. Seems strange, doesn't it? It's funny, even when, for instance, satanic groups want to celebrate some sort of horrible thing like the Black Mass, what do they want? The Catholic Eucharist. They don't want it from anywhere else. They want it from here to some way desecrate it. Because this is where love is, and this is where the battle is won, and this is where we win the battle every time we come here. In fact, if we are able to receive the Eucharist, when we leave here, we have a power that can overcome anything coming against us. Even should it take us captive and kill us, we still won the battle, as did Maximilian Kolbe and all the great martyrs of the church. So we go on now to enter into the victory. And when we leave, to continue the victory as we win the battle that brings the whole world in the end to the final glory of Christ. Let us pray. Almighty Father, we come before you as the people redeemed by the blood of your Son and trusting in your love and mercy. For the Church throughout the world, for all of her members, that they will realize that they are part of this great victory and this great battle. For the Church suffering, that she too will realize that she is victorious. For the freedom of the Church in our own country, we pray to the Lord. For all nations of the world, especially those experiencing war or civil discord, they will come to know Jesus Christ and his church. For all those running for public office, that they will be people of wisdom and virtue. And for the peace that comes only from Jesus Christ, we pray to the Lord. Lord, For all those who are sick and suffering, for all those who may be dying, for those who bear the cross of Christ in any way, those who suffer from spiritual or mental illness. They will know that they are united to Christ's victory in their suffering. For those who are greatly tempted, for those who have lost the faith and left the battle, we pray to the Lord. Lord, For an end to abortion and euthanasia in all of its forms, we pray to the Lord. Lord, For an increase in vocations to priesthood and the consecrated life, especially from our own parish and diocese, and those young men and women who will truly go out and in a unique way fight the battle for the kingdom. And for that also, in married life and a single life, we pray to the Lord. Lord for our bishop, priests, deacons, and seminarians, and for the American hierarchy, they in particular will be courageous prophets in a darkened world and difficult times. We pray to the Lord. For the souls of all the faithful departed, especially our relatives, friends, and benefactors, for all who have died on the battlefield, all victims of violence, terrorism, and natural disaster, especially those who have died recently in acts of violence, and for Vinnie Ligori, for the pose of his soul, eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. May they rest in peace. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed And for all of us here, 
that we will fight the good faith, fight, be victorious, uniting ourselves to Christ's sacrifice. We pray to the Lord. Lord we now join our prayers to those of the Queen of Prophets and the Queen of Martyrs as we sing. Thank you. 